0: This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're at, wherever you are. Uh, whatever time it is that you happen to be listening. You know, it's an odd phenomena. I want to share a couple of things with you before I get into the meat of the podcast. I know some people, they listen, they're all business. You said you were going to talk about elections. Hey, calm down. i got to put a title on the thing, you know. doesn't mean that I've <laughs> made, it, made some commitment to anything, for that matter. I like to ramble occasionally. It's part of my shtick. I don't think I'm going to get any awards for it. Some people appreciate it. Well, few, but it's just me. What can I tell you? I've tried to improve on it a few times, but uh, as uh, my chiropractor uh, likes to say, it's like therapy for me. I don't know. I'd I'd actually like to get away from the politics. I really would. Anyway, uh, it was a hard weekend for me. A lot of hard work. I started to say uh, about the podcast. See, I told you, I ramble. Um, the listens spiked up. Big time. Like, uh, the highest they've been in a year. I've watched this steady decline. It's a little ominous. It really is. It doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. It wasn't much of a decline, really. It's flat, you could really say. But, you know, looking at it from And I don't sit around and watch these numbers. It means nothing to me. This is... Uh, Not a business for me. It's not going to be. I made that conscious decision a long time ago. And um, I have lots of other things that I work on, including a new book that I'm going to have coming out soon. I cannot tell you how excited I am about it. Uh, I'll tell you more about it as it gets a little bit closer. Once I can kind of nail down a date, I'll start to get into more specifics about that. But the podcast listens were up. But interestingly... This is what blows my mind. Uh, sometimes you'll see like a daily or a weekly spike because a, a particular podcast hits. And that, too, is not very exciting to me. In some ways, it can be. You see the, the numbers on a particular podcast run up, and it, it gets a little feverish, right? I, a lot of times, I don't even notice because, like I said, I don't really check it. Uh, I'll go log in to post the podcast and and you know, I can basically see it there. It's in front of me, but I, I don't really, I really don't. I don't pay too much attention to it. But anyway, I occasionally get a podcast that, that runs up, and I haven't seen that happen in a long time because the um, the way the, the, the uh, search works, in particularly in Apple Podcasts, which is the bulk of the listens, although that's changing too, um, they basically shadow ban me. Uh, so the same with the search of the website uh, for a variety of reasons, some of it uh, not. You know, um, conspiracy type stuff or shadow banning type stuff, but just by the fact that I don't fit the mold that they look for to push stuff to the top of the list, such as interview links on big channels, you know what I mean? Uh, things like that, Wikipedia listing. I don't have any of that, and I don't want any of it, quite frankly. Uh, You know, people uh, aspire to that kind of thing, and I'm like the other direction. I'm like, I I don't want to be on those lists. I really don't. Uh, You can go all the way to the About section on the ChristopherScottShow.com, and I talk about it there about um, being the B-side, the good stuff in the back, the real stuff, if you will, the authentic stuff. I never wanted to be Elvis or Rush Limbaugh. That being said, it's nice to know that people are listening, right? So uh, you get these run-ups in podcast episodes. I haven't seen that happen in a long time, and then you'll see that the, the listens will cycle and waves. and you know it'll have to do with summer, things slow down, holiday weeks. But then you'll see, and this is the great thing about podcasts versus say radio is um, you know, it's evergreen. It, it stays there, and people are interested in to go back and listen to it. And that's largely what's happened. Like, as I was looking, I see this huge spike in listens last week. And um, not too surprising because, as I said, and this is what happens. People, eh, they lose interest. They're not uh, paying attention for whatever reason. And all of a sudden they are. <laughs> and they'll go, you know, I guess binge listen to a few episodes or whatever the case is. But it's just very interesting to me. I didn't mean to ramble on about it so long. Like I said, it's my nature. But I find it kind of interesting that uh, different patterns in the way people listen to podcasts, very different than how I listen to podcasts. But then again, I didn't grow up on podcasts. I grew up on radio, and it's kind of, I guess, still how I I listen in that fashion. Anyway, it's been a great start to the week. I had a great weekend. I got a lot of work done around the house. We're getting... uh, Our deck uh, had some carpentry to do, some uh, skirting that I changed, um, some um, railing work around where I I had a ramp um, that we have for the dogs. We have a dog run off the side of the deck where they're supposed to go over there to do their, their business, which they do about three quarters of the time. It's the last quarter that gets to be problematic in the rest of the yard. And uh, you can imagine, me being me, I'm a little anal about these things, so we try to stay on top of it, but given the territory that they cover and the fact that there's three dogs, it can be quite a challenge depending on the uh, vegetation conditions, if you know what I mean. Uh, They'll get hidden in there. I didn't mean to go too much off on that, but uh, anyway, it was a good weekend working outside the dog run. they had a ramp. the dogs broke it, and the little dog couldn't get up it in the snow. I don't know for those of you that that know uh, math engineering and carpentry layout, I don't know it was like a probably like a six twelve run on that thing. I didn't measure it like that. I just cut some two by fours and ran the slope that I ran and it was good good for all of them when it was dry, but when it got snow and ice on it, our little dog, she couldn't do it. And then the big dogs broke it. I didn't. I wasn't anticipating them using it as a a, a fighting log. You know, the, the pit bull always on the downhill end. This is what the shepherd does. He likes to put her in a vulnerable spot, and he does. And then he goes at her, and then she puts up with it for a while because she's very docile, and then she hurts him. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I I changed it to steps, and uh, it's a funny little story. They're half-scale steps, exactly half of what the code would be for regular human steps. And it's worked out fabulously, by the way. The dogs don't use it as a fighting uh, apparatus anymore, and the little dog, well, we haven't had any snow since I built this thing, but I think it's going to be just fine. And uh, it was funny, I, had a, I, I laid it all out, I cut all the pieces, I got everything ready, and buddy of mine came over to help me screw it all together. It's a little easier with another set of hands. I have clamps. I can usually work pretty well by myself. But uh, he's, he's in the air. He's like, I can help you put it together. And he's like, you know, I'm amazed, man. After all these years, you can still lay this stuff out. And I, I flipped over the stair stringer. Right? So I screwed it up the first time. I had, to, I had to do it a second time. So it wasn't smooth. But I still enjoy doing that stuff. So I built those stairs. Anyway. I had some skirting and some repairs around the railing to wrap up, and a little touch-up paint and so forth. But uh, and some skirting on the other part of the deck. And I've been dragging it out, getting that all done. But I'm very happy with just about done. Be getting that wrapped up, and then I have a little work to do on. We have another deck on the side of the house. I'm thinking, you know, it was great when, when we moved in here. We bought the house. I it's beautiful. All these decks. Yeah. So it's maintaining them and keeping them clean like a full-time job. It's like having a pool, except we don't. My wife keeps bugging me. She wants a pool. How long before I'm talking to you about a pool? And the last thing I'll mention to you: Yes, I hung my laundry outside again. Uh, I don't hang everything out there. You've heard me talk about this before, and I'm not preaching, but it's just kind of funny to me that you have these people out there that are convinced that the world is ending due to climate change, right? And we're burning up. Hottest. I'm going to talk more about this. It's it's just. The lunacy is – it's really interesting, really interesting. Um, They blame just everything on climate. Every time it rains, every time it snows, every time it gets hot, every time the wind blows, oh, scared to death. So what I find fascinating about that, that these same people like very little efforts as a whole to do anything about it in terms of their own efforts. A simple one would be hanging laundry outside, right? Less electric. Use. I mean, most dryers are electric these days, as is ours. And, um, you know, but you're still burning fossil fuels to, to do that, unless you're running off of solar panels. But either way, either way, why wouldn't you hang it outside and plant a tree? Why is it no efforts to discuss it? The world's about to end. We're burning up. The only solution is zero carbon. Mm Mm-hmm. What the scam of the century, the scale of it, the lunacy of it. With that as a backdrop, let me now at 10 minutes in move to the actual topic of the podcast, shall we? And that is, I'd like to discuss a little bit. Well, let me just ask you, whatever happened to basic political competence? And I'll tell you the answer to that. It's gone because it doesn't sell. What am I talking about? Well, if you ask me, um, and, you know, I'm not the only one. You may have your own questions. But my biggest question for Donald Trump, I mean, there's a lot of big concerns I have. The elections, uh, global security, if you will, our military, this uh, Nazism from on the left. It's funny how they, the people they call the fascists. I don't see a single Republican trying to force any kind of car on me. I don't see a single Republican trying to force any kind of vaccine on me. I don't see any a single Republican trying to force my children to read things that I don't want them to be exposed to. And all of these things, I don't see Republicans when I tell them that I have a different opinion, telling me that I'm an idiot for not trusting them and the science. So who's the pushy ones? Who's the fascists in all this, really? But we don't have any of this talk about basic competence. And if I had a one question for Donald Trump and all this, because uh, I don't think he's going to fix elections. He's no military genius. Um, great peace initiative, by the way. I'm not trying to be derogatory. I want Trump in the White House for a lot of different reasons. Maybe we'll talk about it here. But it's not why I bring it up. Why are we not talking about political competence and core issues? I want to know what Trump is going to do about the debt specifically and the economy And as a subset of that, what's he going to do to reduce the size of government? I'm liking some of this talk when they're saying we're going to get rid of half of the federal government employees. It would be the best thing that ever happened to this country. I really believe it would. If these people were forced to get out into the private sector and actually learn what it's like to go find work, bid work, complete work, and then collect the money, and then when you get done with all that, deal with the banks, the insurance company, and pay the doggone taxes and hope that there's something left at the end of the day after you busted your butt, maybe they begin to wake up a little bit and see how ridiculous their ideas are. Maybe then we would begin to get back to a little political competence in a basic government that operates on a very small budget that compassionately asks for very little from the people in the way of money because a government that realizes what a burden that it creates on the citizenry. Through-the-roof-costs for what? I brought this up yesterday with the illegal immigrants, $20,000 a year to send each of their kids to school. I have to shoulder this burden? No. They'll print the money and make our kids pay for it even worse, and they'll pay double. How do we allow this to go on? That's all I want to know. That's the one issue I would like to know from Trump. What are you going to do about the debt? Forget about the economy. It's trashed. We're bankrupt. What are you going to do about the debt? What are you going to do to get us out of this, dude? How we, what, what's the plan? There's ways to do it. Amateurize it. Stop borrowing. Amateurize the debt. And, and adopt a, a path of, of fiscal uh, um, responsibility. And it would restore integrity all over. I keep telling you this: when the money's corrupted, everything is corrupted. And it speaks to actually what I'm saying here. Why are we not hearing? Why are we not hearing any media ask Trump, "What are you going to do about the debt?" Heck, I've had people, listeners here on this podcast, which I would like to think are at least somewhat like-minded like me, at least a little bit, write to me and say, hey, Chris, this debt thing is—it's a non-starter." Oh, is it? I don't know if it is anymore because people are beginning to realize, you know, my groceries are, are really expensive. It's getting harder and harder. I'm going to look at, I mentioned this to you. Remember in the beginning, I talked about this pretty transparently. I'm not going to go into details about my financial life. Uh, just to tell you, I'm not independently wealthy. Uh, we live a nice life. I'm very fortunate. I thank God every day. And I pray to God that at least for another 10 years, I can continue to provide this lifestyle for my daughter. But aside from that, I have to work. I have to work very hard. I never got anything for nothing. I've had many setbacks, and it's been a long road for me to get to where I'm at. And believe me, I work hard to keep it that way, God willing. You never know, right? Something happened. But in the beginning, I was saying to you, I was like, you know, and I saw this when Trump accelerated the printing of money with COVID. And you can take your opinion about it. It's fine. I had mine. I'm not going down that path. I've wavered on this. But the bottom line is that the the borrowing was accelerated under COVID. I didn't predict that. I said we had trillion a trillion-dollar-a-year deficit. Steve Bannon said the same thing. He says a structural deficit. I never got a chance to ask him what he meant by that. But we're both coming up with the same number. Suddenly, it goes to $2 trillion. And I think that was the great reset, the doubling of, of government borrowing, really. That's what it really what it was about. But suddenly, we go to $2 trillion. The debt is accelerated. It began under Trump. The Biden fight, and they're like, oh, if he got to spend that kind of money, we want to spend that kind of money. Trump's going to want to go in and do the same thing because somehow Republican borrowing is better than Democrat borrowing. And I do believe that to be the case. I do believe that to be the case, that the money is better spent. But it's still borrowing. And I said it when Trump did it. We're going to have this inflation that comes. Maybe you remember me talking. I bought like two years ahead of everything that I could possibly buy buy in store, shoes, clothing. I still have boxes of shoes I'm pulling off the shelf. Thank God, because the price of them has doubled since I bought those. <laughs> I had a little extra cash, and I bought ahead, and thank God. And I was saying to you then, I was like, you know, our stocks are going up, our, our home value is going up. We're doing great. Mm. And all of a sudden, things shifted. I've noticed a huge drain on our cash flow at this point. I'm giving you the cliff note version here. But I kept everybody aware of this as we mourned. I was like, you know, in the beginning, I was like, yeah, our budget's getting a little pinched here all of a sudden. I know, I'll have the extra cash available at the end of the month that I used to. And now it's gone full on worse. We have to replace our air conditioning. I'm having to pull money out of savings. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying something's not right. I look back at our finances, because I started really tracking it very closely this year which I normally have most of my life, but I took a little break when we moved, and I got a little sloppy. Eh, we were moving, and this was you know like two, three years of this, eating out too often, not paying attention to what we were spending money on, quite a bit of waste, I'm ashamed to say, and things that we bought and didn't use. and It's all part of the process, unfortunately. Uh, but we could have done a better job, and we wasted some money as a result. I noticed this pattern where I said to you like, "Man, I don't have the extra money that I did." And um this January past January, I got serious about tracking my budget and I'm going to tell you where the money's going. Cuz we didn't make any structural changes. Uh we didn't take on any debt, we didn't take on any new memberships or monthly expenses or or anything like that. Now we were doing some uh small-scale capital projects, I guess you say. Uh, taking down the tree and landscaping that I was doing myself, but the the materials for all that still added up. And um, the bottom line is we've marched down this path of now having to borrow to pay for uh, repairs on the house. Fortunately, we have the savings to do it, right? Um, but what has happened? Well, with no structural changes, no real material changes in our lifestyle at all, um Energy prices are basically double. Food prices are basically double. And all other ancillary costs for us are basically double. Our, we don't spend a lot on gasoline for travel, um, but that cost is doubled. Our home heating oil has doubled. That's hurt. Um, other costs are way up for services. Um, oddly enough, the only one that's not is the lawn mowing. But let's not talk about that. I don't want to jinx it. One day this guy's going to wake up and realize that the price he gave us is wrong. Um, anyway, I just, in the meantime, am nice as pie. Um, but uh, we have a, a cleaning uh, service, and um, you know we've we've increased what we give her. Anyway, I'm not trying to tell you my whole personal life here. Uh, the point is, um, you know, things we order on Amazon. I just ordered some. Uh, I'll just say personal care products. Uh, I'm not getting into what it was. Um, and uh, I was like, man, it was like the cost was 50% higher than last time I bought it, which, you know, like I said, I buy this stuff like on a yearly basis or something like that. 50% higher than last year, man. And everybody is beginning to see this. Gas is going through the roof again. The The, the world... is squeezing Joe Biden by the you-know-what, and they're just wondering when the stupid people in this country are going to wake up. Russia's shipping uh, gas to China. Big deal that they're making the shift. They're like, the heck with you guys. You blow up our pipelines. You're forcing us to accept your tranny crap and your, your COVID nonsense. Nobody's buying it. Let me get back to the point 20 minutes in. Why are we not seeing this conversation, any conversations about anything about competence in government? I use the example of Trump and the debt. They won't even talk to him because on the the liberal media, it's just a full-on hate-filled frenzy that they've backed themselves into a corner on. Like, they won't even give the guy a respectable interview. He's not going to do it. You know, I didn't watch the Megyn Kelly nonsense. And I'm not saying it wasn't a good video. Maybe she did a great job. Nah, nah, nah. I want to hear what he's talking about with the debt and the economy and reducing the size of government. That's all I want to hear about. I don't care about the corrupt liberals. He's fighting the fight. He's the guy to do it. I think he's going to succeed. I don't need the updates. Uh, save the drama for somebody else. I want to get down to Business. If I was going to run for politics today, don't worry, I'm not going this direction, believe me. Um, I think I I would run on the side of labor. This story about the the UAW, is it the UAW? United Auto, yeah. is quite frankly one of the biggest political stories of the time. The boobest Republicans, as corrupt as they are, you'd think they'd see the opportunity smacking them in the face. There's a huge opportunity right now for Republicans to pick up the uh, black vote and the union worker vote. They're never going to get the support of the unions. You're never going to get the UAW to, to back a Republican candidate. But you get the rank and file to vote for you. The Republicans need to be, be speaking up for fair wages. It's as important as small business. And like it or not, and you could disagree with me, I'm not a union guy, okay? Um, but I do see the value of unions. And the biggest enemy to the unions, quite frankly, is the unions themselves. Did you know that, by and large, that the vast majority of labor relations complaints are filed against the unions by employees, not against their employers? Fact. Maybe that's changed over the years. It's been a while since I looked into it. Um, But particularly with some of these big companies, quite frankly, if you ask me, uh, I think unionization is, is probably a good thing. Because these companies get so big, they just trample all over the employees and I'm not saying they they do always do or whatever, but you know a strong union in some ways is the only way to hold it accountable. But there's a huge political sector that could be grabbed there. Uh, I think Trump, you know, he he'll probably capitalize on. It. He's been speaking out about it a little bit. Nobody else, just Trump, and he will win the support of those uh, auto workers. You watch, and and Trump would get in there and hammer out a better deal. You know why? I said this with the. Um, with the rail workers' strike, do you remember me talking about this? And I know I'm just a guy with a podcast, just a guy in his basement with a podcast. Really true. Or, or my studios in my basement? They have a beautiful ba- basement. It's like a, um, a walkout basement. You would call, we call it? Um, and I can come in from the outside, and I have uh, my outside space, which I cherish, and uh, my studio, which is my office and my studio. I'm over here on the sound recording side of it right now, obviously, because I'm not working in my office. I'm recording a podcast. I have my refrigerator right here, and um, just life is grand for me, but it's the truth. I'm just a guy with a podcast in my basement. What do I know? I know this. With the rail workers, you look at the package and the money they got, and you have to ask, why is it the medical benefits so expensive? Like thirty, forty thousand dollars a year in, in benefit cost. Huh. Where's all that money going? You say, well, we got we hammered out a good deal for the labor, and then you know, see the only if, if the UAW tries to go in and talk about benefits, the management can come back with with like benefit cuts. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. And say cut any benefits. That's part of the package. Some people get upset about that, but that's just the way that works. That's why they take those jobs. That's why, why people... Uh, there's a lot I could say about it. I don't, I'm not going to go into a pro-union thing. It's not my point. I'm not, here to, I'm not here to help the unions, put it that way. I have my feelings about it, but I'm not here to, to help the unions. And I think this problem with the benefit costs, quite frankly, is because of people in the unions putting a lot of money in their pockets, and they don't want that exposed. You know, let's say we cut that $40,000 a year in benefit costs uh, and we cut it down to uh, $25,000. And we take that fifteen a year savings and we share it. Half goes to the employee, and half goes to the employer. And every it's called a win-win. Imagine this, imagine that. Not a win-lose. This is the problem with our political system right here. Too much win-lose. Where's the win-win? Where's the win-win? Uh, speaking of, you know, RFK Jr. He's talking about um, plastics, and he had this whole. Thirteen-point plan to deal with plastics, and um, to that, and I saw him putting that out there. I'm like, man, these politicians sometimes like you're putting me to sleep, dude. With everything going on right now, and not that I'm not saying it's not an important issue; it's a very important issue. But what he, the message he needs to be talking about right now is simply that we need to get 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 our our waterways cleaned up. All this plastic needs to be cleaned up, and. You know, just admit that plastics are here to stay, at least for right now. You know, you have these people out there. They want to ban plastic bags, right? This is hilarious to me. And this really illustrates best the lunacy of our politics. They're going to ban pl- the town next to us. There's a little uh, borough next to us, a little quaint little borough. And... Um, we get down there to eat and things like that. There's a Rita's, a couple bars down there. We're not going to bars these days, but we go out to eat. Um, and there's lots of other things that go on down there. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, but it's very liberal, which is fine. Very nice town, I us say. Very well run, by the way. It, just to give credit where credit is due. Um, but they, they, I guess they're like strongly discouraging the use of plastic bags or something like that. And, uh, you know, so you're going to go down there, you're going to go down to the, the local store, and you're going to buy, they're not going to let you use a plastic bag to, to save the environment. We have to do something. Okay, great. I'm, and I'm in agreement with that do something. But where does the lunacy end? And I'm a big believer in paper. Go back to paper bags. Maybe make make a better paper bag. Something that does biodegrade. How hard is that? Why isn't there more effort? I mean, it costs a little more. Well, in that case, I think it's a good idea to move in that direction. But let's just stick with the 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 the, the bag banning a second. So I'm going to go into the store, and I'm going to buy. I'm going to tell you what I would buy. I don't buy soda, but you know, every once in a while, I buy a little diet. Uh, tea. I'm not going to name the brands because I'm not here for a commercial. Well, that's in a plastic jug now, and it's thick. Pl- I mean, that thing would last like a thousand years. I mean, plastic bag is only plastic bag will degrade in about 400 years. That plastic bottle is a good thousand years to biodegrade. So I'm going to put the plastic bottle with the plastic wrap and the plastic cap in my my little uh, hemp bag. Right? Okay. And then I'm going to get down the aisle. And I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm not going to get steak because you know we're we're environmentalists, and so we're going to we're going to save the environment. I'm going to get some chicken. No, I'm going to get I'm going to get lab grown meat. I guess I can't say it. What am I eating? Well, I can only tell you what I eat. Sorry, I don't eat veggie burgers, and I eat lab-grown meat. So I'm just going to have to go with it straight at it. So I get out, I'm going to get some steak, and guess, what's, guess what that's wrapped in? Styrofoam, bottom, you know how horrible that is for the environment? Wrapped in more plastic, put it in the hemp bag. <laughs> you need me to keep going? Every, everywhere I turn in the store, right, I'm going to get some bacon. That's wrapped in plastic, put it in the hemp bag. Oh, you get a gallon of milk in a plastic jug. Put it in the hemp bag. We've accomplished a lot. This is the lunacy of the current politics. And the ban straws. They give you a plastic cup with no straw because they're helping the environment. It gets much worse. I've told you this one. You get down to Kensington, you've heard the stories by now. I've been talking about it a lot longer. There's uh, But I can't take credit for that, though. I was going to say, there's one that I was talking about before the media. Uh, funny that Fox picked it up. I think there's a Fox producer that listens to this podcast. Hmm? Anybody want to own up to it by any chance? You could at least make a little contact. I don't know. It was very, very fishy to me over the years. But I can't take credit for the Kensington because I found it on a YouTube channel, so. Uh, Let's just presume it came from the the sewers. But I've said this many years. uh, The problems down there are deeply, deeply troubling and only seem to be growing worse. Literally, as I mentioned yesterday, beginning to look like the walking dead down there. Very sad, very pathetic state of affairs. And despite the government's inability to do much of anything to solve these problems, they have done one thing quite well. It's not clean the streets because it's filthy dirty. It's not take care of the buildings and the trains and things like that because it's just all falling apart, a filthy mess. No, no, none of that's been taken care of. There's been no transition, any green energy down there. I don't even know if the poor people have heat. Uh, There's no security. So, no, it's not that that they've done a good job with. You know what the politicians down there in Kensington have done a good job with? Thanks to the guidance of our federal government, going back to uh, good liberals like the, um, the, uh, the, the uh, who was it? Was it was a Kennedy uh, with the ADA, Americans with Disabilities. You'll go down to this filth-ridden, squalor-laden um, depravity of humanity, and on every corner, you've probably heard me say this before, you'll find brand-new, handicapped-compliant corner ramps. Yes, indeed. We've done that quite well. Uh, here, I'll point out another lunacy. And I'll tell you why it's happening. Uh, Here in our town, a very uh, I wouldn't say very, but uh, an affluent town by uh, national standards. We're doing quite well. But in our county, there's a huge homeless problem because the county uh, homeless shelter, uh, I think somebody told me it flooded. I thought that the geniuses down there just closed it. But either way, we don't have a county homeless shelter, and it's wreaking havoc in our county. Not here, oddly enough. Not here. Um, we have a lot of Jewish people here. You don't find a lot of homeless people migrating to Jewish commu- uh, communities. And somebody ought to look into that as to why that might be. It's not an anti-Semitic thing for me to say that. It's a simple observation. Anyway, we do not have a problem with homeless people here either way, outside of that anti-Semitic remark somebody's going to tell me they think I made. um. We do have a brand-new, federally-funded dog park. State-of-the-art. Card reader access. you got to go through a little training to get in there. The old dog park is, like, so ghetto at this point. $350,000. Not even a place for the dogs to sleep, just to play. Meanwhile, there's people sleeping on the streets. You tell me that that's fair. You tell me that that's righteous. You tell me that that's good for our community in any way. Meanwhile, I see an article on the paper where they're, they're, um, the politicians pushing back on the citizens for complaining about the homeless. It's not who we are. We'll take care of them to the end. Yeah, but meanwhile, you're funding the dog park. Hmm. County, by the way, is sitting on a couple hundred million dollars in COVID money. There's been ideas presented, everything from butterfly gardens to dog parks, ironically. Not a lot of effort to take care of the homeless when it really comes down to it. And then you can take a look at another little problem. It's a real problem that's not going away. Not at all. Not at all. And then you want to take a look at how much money, when the government gets involved, it costs. I talked about it yesterday. I remember uh, years ago I was looking to, to buy this property out in a place called Tamaqua, out in like in the middle of nowheresville, Pennsylvania, just on the edge of the coal region. And property values are really cheap up there then. And um anyway, the, uh, they uh they got this grant to renovate this thing. And um the cost per square foot that they had but it was gonna be like low income housing. And at that time, um I don't know, finished construction residential was selling for uh I think about a hundred dollars a square foot. This is broad averages, okay, and uh, that's high. That was high for you know for entry level rental style, low income stuff, okay. But the government was spending three hundred dollars square foot to accomplish the same thing. And so, what does that mean? What does that mean in terms of the nature of the problem and how to solve it? That the most effective way to do it is through government cooperation with private entities, and it's done in many ways, including homelessness, as it is, um, through grants and subsidies provided by the government, Um, and that has to be handled carefully as well. Um, But, you know, I saw, uh, I think it was, um, which city, uh, Chicago, the mayor came out and said that they were thinking about opening grocery stores, government grocery stores. Boy, this should scare the living daylights out of everybody, that the government is going to open and run grocery stores. The government unions are going to step in. Uh, those would be government employees working there. And you just you just watch how that whole thing it become like a prison in Chicago, which is where it's headed. The go- you watch how expensive those groceries become if the government gets involved. I kid you not. The cost just explodes. Let me throw a couple of other uh, things at you. Um, There's a great article here. I have the links in the show notes. Too much of not a lot. This is a blog article, a guy who puts his content out by email, which is interesting. Uh, I'm thinking about doing something similar to that uh, for another project I'm working on. But anyway, too much of not a lot. And he talks about this problem of uh, just complete incompetence from government. And just to go back to that a second, I started to say, you know, why are we not getting these candid conversations with Trump or any of the candidates, about, you know, what are you going to do about the debt? What are you going to do about homelessness? What are you going to do about the drug problem? Um, And I don't think that we should be talking about 13-point plans at this juncture. I want broad sweeping, yeah, the government uh, debt problem. Here's the answer to that, okay? It's not real complicated. Some version of this, cut the size of government to reduce spending, right? Balance the budget. That's the first step. And then amateurize the debt to begin paying it down. Very simple. Very very quickly in that it would be a real pinch in the beginning. It would be a real hard adjustment to make. Uh, but once it was made, a couple of years into it, you know what you'd find? That things would begin to really change in this country as the interest costs were reduced. As we regained our financial sovereignty. It would take just a few years of hard work in this country would be in a whole different situation. How do we resolve this problem of homelessness? Well, number one, we need to count. How many people in this country are we talking about that do not have homes? And then we need to take a look at the housing inventory. Because what's really the nature of the problem? Uh, for example, I know that and I haven't been out there in years now, but the last time I was, Western Cincinnati was virtually vacant. Tens and tens of thousands of available units out there. On land that's already been developed, a lot of infrastructure already in place, albeit uh, probably a lot of work needed at this point to bring it back around to make it habitable, but you still have a pretty good running start. So what am I talking about? Well, maybe we need to resettle some of these areas, places like Tamaqua, Pennsylvania. Great place to live. There's a lot of infrastructure in place already up there. So maybe the government, through tax relief and reduced regulation, And finance options at a lower cost would allow these public-private partnerships to solve these problems. I don't know, just a crazy idea. Making schools safe. No parent, you know, and it's a hot-button issue, these school shootings. Man, I don't care Republican-Democrat mom. She's like, I don't want to talk about the Second Amendment. I want to know that my kid's going to be safe at school. And you totally miss the point in these equations on both sides. Okay, Chris, what's your big answer? It's really simple. It really is. So simple that, that even our defunct county government can do it. If there's one thing that the Montgomery County corrupt court system does really, really well... I've been through it. About came really close to making a complaint to the president judge. I know how bad it is down there. But there's one thing that they do really really well, as does every courthouse around this country. They've all figured it out perfectly. They execute it flawlessly every single day, and that is the safety of the building. There's never a shooting inside a courthouse. I would think as logic would have it, maybe you'd take the same approach at the schools. Metal detectors Security. Why isn't it being funded? <laughs> oh, that's expensive. The solar panels aren't. They're cheap. The HEPA air filters that they're requiring, because, you know, God forbid if Johnny's actually exposed to a pathogen once in a while. or I don't know if I'm saying that right. You wouldn't want to be exposed to a pathogen. When you're, you know what I mean? Like, God forbid they actually build up a little resistance. It's amazing. And listen, I I would tend to agree that it's better to have air conditioning in schools. I'm not about, you know, making the schools um, you know, uncomfortable. But 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 here's one for you. You know, there are known ways to develop architecture that facilitates being cooler, high ceilings, masonry construction, things like that, that they can be cooled without air conditioning and with the introduction of fresh air. People live like this for millions of years, thousands of years, but yet today it's inhumane to have a child in a school without air conditioning and HEPA filters, and, and, and there's such a disparity, as you know. I mean, this school that we have down here, it has a metal roof, a planetarium, pools fit for an Olympic training center, I kid you not, a whole auditorium and theater and stage, and, and there's another theater and stage down at the library in our town, I'm like, man, we, it's crazy, the infrastructure. Where's the competence in our government? Why are we not getting it? It doesn't sell. Nobody wants to talk about these boring issues. They want to lock them up, lock her up. <laughs> Lunacy. Jerry Springer Nation. I used to, to use that line a lot early in the podcast. No point anymore because we're firmly there. Do you know that I got to like none of these links that I was going to talk about? You can check it out for yourself. I just gave you the point of all of it. All right. Did you see this? Um, this uh, white retired chief of police uh, mowed down on his bike in Las Vegas by these black kids on purpose as they laughed. People say, "What if? What if the races were reversed?" Amazing that the Marine on the subway, charged, and what's the status of that? We don't even know. We don't get any updates. I mean, that, you know, who knows how much that guy's going to suffer for taking action and uh, putting the safety of others above his own, and that's the thanks he gets. Cop, who spent how many many, many years protecting other people, and that's the thanks he gets to be rammed, run down like, like a damn dog. The media reported it as a hit and run. The rules have changed. I started to say to you if I was going to get into politics, i get in on the side of labor. And let me explain that a second. When I say on the side of labor, you think, oh, unions. I mean further than that. I know it's not the way it's correctly spoken. But let me tell you how I meant it. Somebody, the hell with America. And you to say, whoa, 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 Chris, where are you going with that? Let's make America great again. You know what? I, the working people in this country need to get paid. The working people in this country need to be respected again. Forget about make America great. Restore the American dream. Restore the integrity of work and earning a paycheck. And building and creating. I'll leave you with this. I was, and you see this injustice all over. I was driving through this area that's lived in by uh, migrants. And during the day, nobody working. All these cars packed in. Brand new Hondas. Forty, fifty thousand dollar cars. What, the person who goes to work every day is having a hard time buying groceries. But then, people come here illegally, and they can mistreat the police, and our our hardworking citizens, and get away with it with complete impunity. And so if you're wondering why the auto workers are striking, I bet you it's more than just money. And I know it is because they're complaining that they have a hard time going to the grocery store and they don't understand how the do-nothing CEOs of these companies, they do nothing but sit there and 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 play tiddlywinks about this. What is it? Is it DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion? Promoting people not based on on contributions, character, or or, or quality, but rather on, on demographics. Squeezing white people out for being white. This is going on across all the publicly held companies. It's enough. People have had enough. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow or sooner or later. I think we're going to do it every day this week. Don't get too used to it. I don't know what I'm going to do next week. I just don't have a lot to talk about. Didn't get to any of it today. Check it out in the show notes. ChristopherScottShow.com You can drop me a message while you're there In the meantime, make it a great day, I'll see you soon